Bonjour and welcome to another episode of Street Focus, an ongoing exploration of urban photography. I'm your host, Valérie Jardin. Today is another street tip segment, and I'm pleased to have fellow street photographer Eric Kim with me to share his street photography tips with the Street Focus listeners. Eric really doesn't need an introduction in the street photography community where he's so active and he has, no, no. <laughs> well, you are, and you've built an amazing following worldwide over the past few years. And I always think of Eric as uh, his approach to be kind of in your face, but with a smile. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I call it the, the smiley Asian tourist approach. <laughs> There you go. So, and our style and approach is so different, which I think it's what makes street photography so interesting. So welcome, mm. Eric. Well, thank you so much for having me, uh, Valerie. I, I love the way you do the intro. Your, your name sounds so much sexier when you do it in French rather than <laughs> just like in American. Valerie Jardin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've heard it all kinds of different ways. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. So in case there is one person out there who still doesn't know who you are, uh, who is Eric Kim? Uh, yeah, so my name's uh, Eric Kim. I'm a Korean-American street photographer, currently based in Berkeley, California. I'm 27 years old. I've uh, been shooting street photography since I was 18, so for about nine years now. Um, uh, started my, I started a street photography blog about maybe four, four and a half years ago. And it kind of was born out of uh, a pure love of it because at the time I did a lot of Googling on street photography, like how to shoot street photography and not get punched in the face and stuff like that. <laughs> and I, I couldn't really find that many resources. So I just thought to myself, you know, I'm sure there's other people out there who would want to learn more about this. So I just started a blog purely for the, the fun of it and, you know, started to, to work on the blog, started building it up, um, worked Uh, corporate job doing social media marketing for a while, which also helped, um, I think, the success of my blog. Then, uh, like all the dot-comers, lost my job and uh, decided to pursue uh, street photography full-time uh, by doing workshops. And I've been doing it a full uh, teaching, traveling full-time last maybe three years or so. Um, and yeah, I've just been very fortunate to have lots of love from the street photography community and everyone on the interwebs. And uh, thank you so much for having me, Valerie. It's awesome. And we were just saying just before we uh, started the recording that, uh, well, we've been doing the workshops for about the same amount of time. And we mm. often share um, uh, students, which is fun because mm. Eric and I have completely different styles of, of shooting. Mm. And, and it's so fun that you know, people want to see who, you know, learn from different, different approaches. And I, I, I think that's, that's really cool. And uh, so mm. over the years, Ari's here, you know, oh, I was on Eric Kim's workshop and oh, you probably hear the same thing. And so it's really fun. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think um, a lot of people often ask me, it's like, you know, how do you shoot street photography and how would you define street photography? And I think everyone has their different approach and their different definition. And I kind of guess the way I define street photography is kind of, it's like rock music. Uh -huh. There's like hundreds of subgenres, and there's so one of my students just joked is like, oh, you know, the last five seconds, there's three different subgenres of rock music just invented. And I think street photography is the same way too. Yeah. Like, um, you know, I think there's like kind of candid street photography that you're shooting more from a distance. There's candid street photography where you're shooting really close. There's uh, street portraits where you're kind of interacting with your subjects. So I think that there's enough room in the world for everyone's definition yeah. of street photography. But I think the common thing that binds all of us as street photographers is our love of humanity, of life, and just uh, traveling, exploring the world, and appreciating the beauty in the mundane, I think. For sure. That's exactly right. And uh, so I'm really excited to hear your top tips 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure a lot of people are, are anxious to hear them. So I'll just let you uh, start with your first tip. Okay, perfect. So uh, I, was, I was thinking about what kind of format I wanted to give tips. And uh, there's this one author, his name is Nassim Taleb. He's written an excellent book called Anti-Fragile. And one of the things I learned from him is that sometimes it's better to tell people what not to do rather than what to do. <laughs> and, um, you know, it's not to say that, oh, you should listen to me and, you know, yeah. what you're doing is wrong, blah, blah, blah. But I, I do think that um, information and knowledge is mostly subtractive. Is um, I, These are just kind of the tips that I wish someone told me not to do when I personally started in street photography. So I would say just take everything with a, a grain of salt. Awesome. So uh, first tip, um, I think the... Such an important thing, and this is a practical tip in street photography, is just not to chimp. Mm-hmm. So for people who aren't familiar with chimping, it's pretty much uh, after you take a photo, you immediately look at your LCD screen. And I used to chimp a lot. I was a serial ch- chimpaholic. And it's, it's honestly like a nicotine addiction. Like you just, once, you start, start, uh, once you start, it's impossible to stop. And uh, the problem with chimping that I found in my personal experience is that after you take a photo and you look down your LCD screen, the half a second that you're looking down at your LCD screen, oftentimes there's something even more interesting that happens in the yeah. scene. And I think when it comes to shooting street photography, uh, I try to be as mindful as possible. And I find when I'm shooting, I really want to be focused on the, the shooting aspect. And I don't like to mix the shooting and the editing aspect at the same time, meaning editing is choosing your best images. And so I think the, the mistake a lot of street photographers make is that they're editing while shooting. So they take a photo, they look at it, they're like, oh, it's good, it's not good. Then they bring up their camera, they shoot, they look down at their LCD screen, ah, oh, that's good, that's not good. And so I feel that when you're shooting, you should only focus purely on shooting, uh, working the scene, and um, taking the photo from multiple angles, getting closer, taking a step back. And then finally, at the end of the day, when you go home, then you could edit, sit down and look at your, your images and decide which one your best ones are. Good point. Because when you're in the zone, you're in the zone. You shouldn't mm. be, you shouldn't be thinking about yeah editing or yeah. You're right. It's a good mm. point. Mm, awesome. Thank you. So do you turn off the the LCD altogether, or have you, or are you shooting film again? Oh, so um, <laughs> cur- currently I shoot about like ninety percent of my shots uh, on film. Uh, I'm shooting with a film like an MP camera with a thirty five mm lens, um, color film, Kodak Portrait four hundred, and I'm actually recently. Uh, switching to shooting more black and white Tri-X uh, 400 film push to 1600. Uh, for people, when I'm shooting digitally, I just turn off the LCD yeah. screen. I know some people who are so addicted that um, they actually just take black gaffer's tape and just tape up their LCD screen so they're not tempted. Uh, <laughs> but I found the ultimate solution not to chimp is just to shoot film because when it comes to digital, I have no self-control. Like <laughs> I know myself, so shooting film forces me not to chimp and just be more focused on uh, the shooting aspect of things. Good point. Awesome. Great tip. Okay. What's the next tip? Okay. Next tip. Tip number two. <laughs> this sounds so bad. Um, don't look at bad photos. <laughs> um, how do you do, how do, you okay. do that? <laughs> how do I do, okay. So um, if, you, if you look on the internet, I think... Uh, the, the latest statistic I read is that there's more photos uploaded in 2015 than the entire history of photography combined. Oof. Yeah. So nowadays we're just kind of swimming in this just sea of imagery and that's constantly being bombarded to us via, you know, websites, blogs, advertising, television, uh, smartphones, Instagram, Tumblr, Flickr, whatever. And so... 
you know, it's, I kind of see, nine, I think 99.9% of the images we see on a daily basis, it's almost kind of like junk food. Yeah. And, you know, I'm also interested in health and fitness. And one of the best tips I heard about health and fitness is that if you want to become, um, you know, more healthy, it's better to stop eating junk food rather than, you know, eat a hamburger and then say, oh, I feel so guilty. I'm going to go eat some kale and some quinoa. <laughs> and so similarly, I think in photography and street photography, um, I actually recommend most people to limit their time or cut out the amount of time they spend on the internet and looking at photos on Flickr, Instagram, and other social media networks. And while I do think there are so many talented uh you know, street photographers on the internet and talented photographers on the internet in general. I recommend generally more people to study kind of the masters of street photography, like Henri Cartier-Bresson, William Klein, um, Gary Winogrand, Lee Friedlander, and just any any of the classics, pretty much. And and also, I recommend people to look at a lot of photography books rather than look at photos on the internet because you know. Um, the the good thing with the internet is you know you could just upload any photo anytime, but the downside is. Often, a lot of people don't spend too much time editing True. their photos and choosing their best images. And you, you think about a photography book, you know, these are photographers who have spent like years working on a photography book, editing down, working on the sequence, the layout, the book. And it actually and it cost them a lot of money to produce the book. So generally, the, the signal to noise ratio in a book is much more favorable than the internet. Um, and when I say signal to noise, is that there's a high, higher likelihood of the images in a photography book being much, much better. Then on Instagram, where people are, you know, they might show a street photo here, a photo of their dog, what they're, the cappuccino they're having for breakfast. Yeah. And so um, I recommend people to, quote, quote, not look at bad photos in that way. And yes. bad is, of course, subjective. It's a good point. Very good point. And, and when you open a book, yeah, you'll spend more time. And, uh, and the collection in the book will be their best work. So mm. you're only exposed to, to quality stuff. So Definitely. if you have to absorb something, might as well absorb something really good, huh? Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> Great point. Okay, next tip. Okay, so tip number three. Um, when you are bored or feeling uninspired, do not go to gear review websites. <laughs> um, okay, so long, uh, when, I was, when I was a student, uh, <laughs> I, was, I think I was, how old was I? I was like 20. I was like 19 or 18, 20 or something like that. So I actually had a part-time job working in IT at um, uh, when I was studying my undergrad. And... You know, anyone out there who works in IT or spends a lot of time on the internet, like 99% of the people out there know, whenever you're bored, you just kind of want to surf the web. And, you know, I think most photographers are frustrated because, you know, they're kind of stuck in a job they might not really like and they're just sitting in front of a computer all day. And, you know, they want to be more creative and inspired with their photography. And unfortunately, 99.9% of the, the blogs on the internet focus so much on gear. And, you know, the, the reality is that, um, you know, most photography bloggers make the majority of their advertising uh, money through advertising, through affiliate sales. So, you know, it's in everyone's best interest to, you know, say, oh, this is a new camera that's just come out, buy this, and you'll be more inspired, more creative, blah, blah. And trust me, like, I fell for that sucker's trap for so long. And whenever I felt uninspired, I'm like, oh, it's because my camera's not good enough. Isn't my lens not sharp enough? And, you know, I'm looking at people taking photos of brick walls, look at the corner to corner sharpness. Chromatic abbreviation. I don't even know what chromatic abbreviation is, to be honest. And, you know, I always thought that was the limiting factor in my photography. But whereas in reality, it was just me. And, you know, I think, you know, my personal experience, the more time I spent on gear review sites, no matter how good or expensive my camera was, I'd always be dissatisfied. And so 
uh, one of the recommendations I give, which is contrary to point number three, is uh, buy books, not gear. Mm-hmm. And so nowadays, uh, and you know, I still am afflicted with gas. Have you ever heard of gas, Valerie? Yes. Gear yeah. acquisition syndrome. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I'm not some enlightened saint or anything like that. You know, I still look at new cameras that come out. I'm like, oh, that camera is so sweet. I wish I had that camera. But now whenever I have an urge to, to purchase a new camera, uh, I just go out and buy a photography book instead. And, you know, A, save myself a bunch of money because I'd rather spend 40 or 50 bucks on a really nice photography book than drop like a thousand bucks on a new camera or lens. And I'm actually much more inspired to go on shoot. And, and it kind of goes back to point number two is that um, don't look at bad photos. The opposite of that is looking at really great photography books. Yeah. Or spend your money on a trip and get inspired. And Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. another thing I learned from psychology is that um, money doesn't buy you happiness. Experiences buy you happiness. Yeah, and so, so sure. So, so true. you know, I'm sure when, you know, same thing with you too is that like, um, yeah, sure. We might buy a new MacBook or a new, you know, computer. It's like it's That's awesome a tool. for the first week, yeah. But <laughs> yeah. then with travel, you could you could have that experience. You you'll, you'll never forget that. Oh, and exactly. It, you know, I've already. That's how I raised my kids. You know, I said their friends always had the latest and greatest. You know, flat screen TV, blah blah blah. But you know what? They had the trips to Europe every summer, and uh, you know when oh, it comes crazy. down to it. Uh, when they're old and they go back and on their lives, they'll never remember their first flat screen TV, but they um, will always remember their trip to the Czech Republic or to Italy or to pay to Paris or wherever. That's, that's amazing. Yeah. It, it's, or like, you know, all the people out there, you know, uh, like I remember when I wanted to buy a camera and, you know, I, I, I originally bought a Canon 5D like many years back mm-hmm. and I spent like a thousand bucks on it. Looking back, I, I would probably think that taking that $1,000 and using the DSLR at the time, which was like a 350D, I would rather invest that $1,000 on a round trip ticket somewhere in the world. Yep. And that would be much more valuable than the Canon 5D, which I no longer have. And it's like vastly outdated. Yeah, it's true. That's such a good, that's, yeah, that's for sure. But yeah, so I, I tell people that all the time. And, and you know, you get, pa- you get passionate, like I'm, I'm, I love my Fuji gear. And I, mm. I, when I talk about it, I'm all excited because I, it mm. just fits me. Mm. And, and people say, oh, I want to get one too. I said, well, why? What do you have now? Doesn't it work? I mean, the mm. camera is not going to make better pictures. So why would you want to, unless you really need to get something smaller? There is no point. Just spend your money on, yeah, on a vacation. On experience. Yeah. yeah. I want to underage my future kids like you did too. That's, Good. that's very <laughs> Awesome. Okay. So which, uh, that was tip number four, five. Okay. Yeah. Uh, tip number four. Mm -hmm. So, um, tip number five, uh, how do I, how do I phrase this? Um, I would say don't have too much photography ADD. Mm -hmm. Uh, meaning I think if you really, really want to master any sort of genre or art or creative pursuit, I think focus is really important. And um, even Steve Jobs, he has a quote about innovation is not, you know, saying yes to every single good idea. It's saying no to a thousand good ideas. Mm-hmm. And probably the thing that's helped my photography the most is, you know, when I started photography and, you know, this is I think most photographers, you know, you start off, you're shooting landscapes, you know, you're shooting your macro, you're shooting weddings, you're shooting portraits, you know, you're shooting HDR, whatever it may be. And, 
you know, you kind of become like a Walmart photographer where you shoot a little bit of everything, but you're not really that good at anything. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I just kind of looked at my work and I'm like, you know, my work's all over the place. If there's no focus, there's no theme, you know, there's no style. And I just thought to myself, you know, what kind of photography really makes me happy in which I feel like uh, you know, I could shoot for the rest of my life and still be interested in it. And I just kind of discovered it was, it was street photography because, um, you know, the beauty of uh, meeting strangers and experiencing life firsthand. And so I was like, okay, I just want to focus on street photography. And so for the last, you know, five or six years or so, I've only really been focusing on just street photography. And I've, I think I've really seen my work um, grow and blossom a lot since I've made that deliberate choice, uh, deciding which genres of photography not to pursue. So, you know, of course, you know, I still like to Instagram my food or whatever, but I think street photography is really my um, passion. And so, uh, I would recommend most people to, um, you know, to really zone in and focus on one thing that that really, really passionate, mm -hmm. and maybe spend just I don't know, even ten years just mastering that one genre. Then let's say you want to move on to a different genre, yeah, go ahead. But I would recommend people, yeah, not to have photography ADD and just really focus on laser and one type of genre of photography yeah. and. I'm, I'm sure that's for most people street photography. If they're listening to this. Yeah. Don't you feel like the the beauty of street photography is that nobody has ever taken that shot before, and nobody ever will take that shot oh. after you. And I think that's oh, yeah. what makes it so exciting. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, I think street photography so is life perfectly distilled in the image because, you know, like with studio photography. I greatly admire studio photography. I could never do it to save my life, and it's so difficult. But I do believe that there is some sort of charm in creating an image that no one ever will mm -hmm. ever be able to replicate not even yourself um but of course uh, that's also the challenge of the frustration because street <laughs> photography is so difficult i think that's why people enjoy it yeah exactly it's a we never stop learning mm. that's true awesome good tip thank you i'm ready for the next one unless you All only right. had five i didn't no, no, i have i have ten I have okay ten, good so okay awesome okay so tip number six um don't settle Uh, one mistake I think that a lot of street photographers do is when they see an interesting scene, they just take one photo and they just move on. And part of it might be, you know, they don't want to disturb the subject, they're scared, they're fearful, whatever it may be. And this is what I used to do too. And I think uh, an interesting thing that I've written about, I called it the quote, quote, myth of the decisive moment where, you know, people think about the decisive moment and it's like, you know, you see a good scene, you just take one photo of the scene like Cartier Bresson and like you just kind of create create magic. But if you actually look at his contact sheets, um, one book I recommend everyone buy is Magnum Contact Sheets. You can kind of see that in order to make one good photo, he took a lot of photos of the scene. And um, he even had a saying that sometimes to um, sometimes you have to milk the cow a lot to get a little bit of cheese. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's kind of giving yourself, um, so not settling. So if you see a good scene, don't just take one photo and move on. Take as many photos as humanly possible. Take like, you know, five, 10, 20, 50, even 100 photos if you're shooting digitally. Um, even another photographer I greatly admire, his name is uh, Alex Webb, yeah. Magnum photographer. He saw, you know, this really famous photo he shot in Istanbul of a barber shop. Apparently, he shot 10 rolls of Kodachrome for wow. just one scene, which is what, 360 photos in film, right? And I'm like, wow, like, that amount of obsession and not settling it's, it's really inspirational he he captured the perfect image and and i think nowadays with uh, you know most people shoot digital i think most photographers should use that to their advantage where if they see a scene they really really want 
you know, who knows, even take 500 photos of the same scene and just get the absolute perfect shot. Um, and so I think having a healthy obsession to not settle is is a good trait to have. I find that even more true if you find like the perfect backdrop or the perfect light coming down mm. on the side of the sidewalk and don't ever settle for the first person that's going to walk through your frame because chances are it's not going to be the interest, the most interesting subject. But if you have time, just wait and be patient. Oh yeah, yeah. definitely. And, you know, and also um, going to the part of not settling. And it's also give yourself permission to take bad photos too, because, mm -hmm. you know, you have to take a lot of bad photos in order to get a few good photos. And uh, the analogy I would say is um, the more time, like if you're playing baseball, the more chances you have to swing the bat, the more likely you're to hit a home run. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think the same thing in street photography is uh, the more times you click your shutter, the more likely you are to capture uh, a photo which is really meaningful to you. Mm -hmm. For sure. Great. Awesome tip. Number seven. Number seven. So uh, this, is, uh, <laughs> this is something that I, I still grapple with a lot. But tip number seven, don't worry about how many followers you have. Um, <laughs> shoot for yourself. That was so, on my list too. <laughs> oh, awesome. That's, that's a great one. So, I mean, I'm sure. Okay. So, okay. So this, this is the problem. All right, I'll just tell you a little story. When I first started photography, you know, I, you know, I just got my first camera. It was a little point and shoot. And then I got my first DSLR. And then you look at all these people on the internet. They're so famous. They have so many followers. Their photos get so many likes and comments. And you're like, man, those guys are so awesome. They're living a the life. They're so loved and appreciated. I want to be like them. And so um, for a long time, I just try to get as many followers as I can. And, um, you know, so I, <laughs> I mean, I, I think this is okay too. But for example, I would leave a lot of comments on other people's photos, hoping that they'd comment back. And so I think it's nice to give a lot of people comments, but I think I was kind of doing it for the wrong reason is that like, I just wanted them to, you know, follow me back essentially. Mm -hmm. And I always, I always told myself, man, the day I got a hundred faves on Flickr is the day I could be happy for the rest of my life. <laughs> and then it's never enough. Oh, yeah, it's never enough. It's, it's you know, it's kind of like money, right? It's like, yeah. yeah, you know, I have this shitty job that I don't like, but once I make a million dollars, I'm going to retire. And then, you know, the, you, that businessman makes a million dollars. Like, oh, you know, maybe it's $2 million, you know, it's $2 million, then it's $5 million. It's, <laughs> it's never enough, right? And so in photography, uh, so what happened to me is, you know, kept working hard and blah, blah, blah. And then finally one day I got 100 followers and I'm like, uh, 100 favorites on one photo. I'm like, yes, that's awesome. I'm so happy. I'm excited. And then the next day, I look at another guy, and he has 200 favorites. And I'm like, this guy, his photos aren't even that good. My photos are way better. I need 200 faves now. <laughs> so I keep working, keep working, get 200 faves. And I'm like, okay, on top of the world. Then the next guy has like 500, worked to 500. And now I think one of, I think um, I got a photo recently that has like 1,000 faves on Flickr. And honestly, at this point, it's just a number. Like, it doesn't yeah. really even mean anything to me. And, you know, of course, I'm grateful to all the people for, you know, giving me the faves and all the social media love. But honestly, it's just never enough. And I think the older I've become and um, the more experience I've been uh, in photography, really, like, to me, having three really, really close um, friends and colleagues in photography, uh, in street photography, is vastly is more meaningful than having like three million followers on the internet quality over quantity 
Oh yeah, and you know it's in this stuff, and I think probably the best photographer to be inspired when it comes to really shooting for yourself, and not caring about how how famous or how many followers you have, is is probably Vivian Meyer, mm-hmm. who True. I don't know who knows. Like maybe you know I watched a documentary. Maybe she really did want to become famous, but ultimately at the end of the day, she did it because you know it fulfilled some deep spiritual yeah. creative side of herself, and yeah, still made great photos. Um, and so you know it's a little bit ironic. So oh, it's easy for you to say that, Eric, and you know. Uh, or, you know, I'm sure when uh, students or other people are talking to you, Valerie, it's like, that, oh, it's easy for you to say, don't worry about how many followers you have because you already have like thousands of followers. Yeah. But I think it's like, it's, it's almost, yeah. yeah, it's for you. And also knowing that um, once you, yeah, like, do you get to that point where you have a lot of followers? It, it really doesn't like fulfill you or make you that happy. Yeah. I mean, really, you shoot for you. And, uh, no, first of all, it's about getting out there. I think it's about the hunt. And then you mm. get some keepers at the end of the day. It's awesome. Mm. You And people like them. Hey, that's the icing on the cake. But mm. it's not the goal. Mm. No. Um, yeah, so... The, That's good the, the, funny, the funny thing, too, is ironically, the more I've shot for myself and focused on just me, uh, ironically enough, I did end up just getting more followers anyway. So Yeah, but because just, it shows, and it shows on your work. Mm. It Your your personality comes through. Mm. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I feel it the same way. That definitely is uh, is important. And, and people get too caught up in the... In the numbers and the social media and all that stuff, and mm. it's not it's not healthy. Yeah, and it's it's it. a treadmill. It's like mm-hmm. you, you, yeah, it's you're right. Enough. It's a good point. Very good point. Great. Okay, right. ready for number eight. Okay, tip number eight. So um, this is really fun. Oh yeah, no, I'm having, and I and I really appreciate you giving your your thoughts and feedback too, because I think great minds think alike. <laughs> all right. So yeah, anyways. Fun. Um, so before I inflate my ego anymore. So uh, tip number eight. So similarly, um, when it comes, I think uh, a practical tip is, I think, I think with social media, people overshare. And, you know, part of it is, um, you know, we, we get addicted to favorites and likes. And it's kind of like a nicotine drug that we feel like we always have to be uploading every single day or else people will be afraid of us uh, or forget about us. So tip number eight is uh, don't publish photos without a second opinion. Um, edit ruthlessly. So, you know, I think, you know, like you mentioned, quality over quantities, less is more. Mm-hmm. I think, um, I think, okay, 99% of street photographers I see if they just curated um, their website or their stream or whatever a lot tighter, they would look like much better photographers. Um, the problem that I see a lot of photographers have is that like for every 10 shots, they have one really, really great shot. But, you know, if I'm, I'm scrolling through their, three, uh, their, their feed, I just look, I see a lot of so-so photos. So you're not able to let the, the few um, gems shine. Yeah. And so... I think I really encourage people to really get a second opinion or even many different opinions before uploading an image or sharing it online or whatever. Um, uh, generally, what I do is, you know, I'll put my photos in my phone or my iPad or sometimes print them out as small four by sixes. And I'll sit down with other photographers who I greatly admire and appreciate and they're my friends. And I'll tell them, hey, look, I'm not looking for a pat on the back. Help me, quote, quote, kill my babies. Yeah. Uh, because... And I'm sure, you know, this happens to everyone is you become so attached to your photos like they're your own children Mm -hmm. and it's hard to see the flaws. And I think I'm pretty decent at editing my own photos, getting down to 
um, you know, 80% down to what I think are my best shots. Then at the last 20%, I really need someone to sit down with me and just tell me straight up and be honest. So I'll say, please be brutally honest with me. Tell me uh, what you think works, what doesn't work, and tell me why. And on top of that, I tried to let my uh, sit on my photos for a while. Um, nowadays, I'm shooting film. I only get my photos processed every three to six months, or sometimes uh, my last batch was a year. Oh, wow. <laughs> Uh, and yeah, yeah, you have a long time then. Yeah, a long time. And, uh, you know, don't, don't get me wrong. I have little to no patience. Uh, <laughs> I, I love instant gratification. I'm the guy who, if, you know, if my Wi-Fi takes more than like a second to connect, I get really angry. Um, <laughs> but learning a little bit more patient and just sitting on my images for a long time, letting them quote, quote, marinate. The longer I let my photos sit, uh, I forget taking those photos. And so when it comes to judging my own photos, I'm a lot more um, ruthless yeah. and objective because mm -hmm. um, I forget having even taken the photos. It's almost like I'm judging someone else's photos. So yeah, tip number eight, don't publish photos without second opinion. Edit ruthlessly. And yeah, really sit on your photos for a long time before um, deciding to share them because I think the, the, the world could use less uh, junk out there. That's true. But it's hard for a lot of people to do. I mean, I'm so excited when I know I have a good picture in my camera. I just need mm. to see it right away. So yeah. for a lot of people, that's really, really hard to do. So yeah, I mean, shooting film would definitely be a way to uh, get more restraint. Mm. And yeah. then, you know, some practical tips. Let's say you live in a bubble and you, you have no one to help give you feedback on photos. Uh, there's a lot of great uh, Flickr uh, critique groups. Um, mm. um, there's one street photography group called Street Fight, like It sounds like Street Fighter, Street Fight. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. And people, um, I think the way it works is you upload one photo and then you have to critique and comment all the other photos in the pool. That's one great resource. Um, another tip I have um, is, you know, just think to yourself, am I willing to spend $500 to print this photo and frame it for an exhibition? If the question is no, it's probably not worth sharing. Um, mm -hmm. Or another question is, you know, is this photo going to be meaningful 20 years from now? Mm -hmm. Um, because sometimes, uh, you know, even in the street photography, there's fads, but, um, you know, photos that you think could last a really long time yeah. are generally photos that are meaningful. True. Good point. Very good point. Okay. Tip number nine. Um, so I would say tip number nine, and this is, this is a little bit contrary to, you know, because I'm talking about street photography tips, but know that you don't have to just only be a street photographer. You could just be... A photographer mm -hmm. um, and this also kind of runs contrary to my point is you know be really really focused but you know there are certain days where you know you, you just literally might not have the opportunity to go to a downtown area or find a two-hour chunk of time to photograph in some sort of urban setting or something like that and, you know most people they have office jobs they, they live in the suburbs they commute whatever and so I think some I think it's I think it's um, Having the label street photographer, it's useful in the sense that you, know, you meet someone at a bar and they're like, oh, what kind of photos do you like to do? And you say, I like to shoot street photography instead of saying, I like to shoot kittens or puppies or whatever mm -hmm. it may be. Right? So it kind of gives people uh, an easier frame of reference. But I think once you just call yourself a photographer, or you don't even have to call yourself a photographer, just call yourself a human being that happens to like to take photos and bring your camera with you everywhere you go. Mm -hmm. um, and for me personally, Once I started realizing that, you know, I'm not going to worry so much if this is, you know, sometimes people look at my photo and be like, oh, Eric, but is that street photography? 
honestly, at this point, I don't really care. So yeah. I'm just trying to be uh, a photographer, a human being that happens to prefer to shoot in urban settings of strangers. And so, you know, I just have my camera with me um, everywhere I go. I just usually have it looped around my neck or around my shoulder. And yeah, I'll take photos of everything. I'll take photos of the, the reflection of myself through a mirror, take photos of um, my partner Cindy at home, take photos of uh, urban landscapes through my car window, take photos at Costco when I'm shopping there, taking photos of my friends and family, and just making the camera like a third appendage or just a part of my body. It's like a companion that's always with me. And yeah, so don't feel like, you know, so essentially shoot what personally interests you. Yeah rather than worrying if other people will be looking around your shoulder and say, oh, but that's not street photography, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, who needs to be typecast anyways? Yeah, exactly. Um, And, you know, I think there is good to have that focus and just focus on quote-unquote street photography, but at the same time balancing that with just um, not letting it typecast you and just constrain you so much that you can't be creative and happy. That's that's so true. I I just wrote an article recently about um, doing visual push-ups you know, every day. Mm-hmm. And it could be in your own home. I mean, the, I walk by uh, my sunroom and the light hits something on the windowsill in a certain way. Oh, I, have to, I have to photograph that. And I, I love making the ordinary look extraordinary around me. And, and actually I have an ongoing series on that. Um, and I, I think I want to see the world through my lens, basically. That's mm. my choice. And, mm. uh, and yes, street photography, if I had to pick one thing, only, which would be really mm. sad, but that would be it. Mm. But I don't want to limit myself to that either. How could you? How could you do one-handed visual push-ups? <laughs> what, what, what would that look like? <laughs> That's funny. But I don't even know who coined that phrase. But I think it's really good. Was, um, I think I believe it's. Um, uh, what am I? What am I skipping? That guy? The, the, the guy who has that that really he just he just sold it. It was like a he lived in the bank. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Jay Mazel. Oh yeah, Jay Do you think that I believe, was him? I, I believe it's. I believe it's Jay Mazel. I think it's an awesome expression, and I've I've used it with Ari saying, "I don't know who, <laughs> who coined that phrase, but I think it's just awesome. It's really doing visual push-ups every day. You don't need to have your camera even. Uh, you know, you can learn to see without your camera. You could you could, you could just uh, change it. You could say visual chin-ups. So you could uh, yeah. coin that. It's like <laughs> trademark Ali Jardin. That I'll, I'll take, doesn't I'll sound take, as good. I'll put I'll it take, in French. I think I think I'll take visual squats. Like, <laughs> That's really good. Awesome. And last but not least, tip okay, number ten. Tip number ten. Um, don't forget to have fun. <laughs> um, I mean, I think sometimes. Okay, so we all have stresses of life, financial concerns, family, work, blah blah blah. Right. I think sometimes people take photography almost kind of like a burden, like. Um, People say, oh, I should be more creative. I should do this. I should do that. Like, and they, they put this unnecessary pressure on themselves to force themselves to be creative. And, you know, I see a lot of photographers doing like um, 365 projects where they shoot a photo every day. And at a certain point, they just don't enjoy it anymore. And I'm like, if you're not enjoying it and you're not having fun, why are you doing this? Like, this shouldn't be some sort of like torture. photography, <laughs> torture, Soviet USSR, you know, gulag boot camp kind of thing right like we should just be shooting photography because we genuinely uh, love and enjoy it and i think that um sometimes when you have too much pressure you just end up performing worse it's kind of like if you're playing basketball and you have you know so much pressure on you to make the last uh, basket sometimes that pressure gets to people and uh, what would have otherwise been an easy shot because they have so much pressure on their shoulders they just end up not making the shot 
I think photography life, street photography in general too, is that, um, yeah, don't forget to have fun. Is that when you're out shooting, if you're not enjoying yourself while you're doing it, and the more you're enjoying it, the more you're smiling, the more positive body language you have, the better you interact with strangers and so forth. And so, yeah, just really reminding people to, to enjoy themselves, have fun, remember life is short, and to kind of also shoot like if every day were your last. Um, um, and this is just like kind of one thought experiment is, you know, imagine that literally you'd become blind in a month. Uh, how would you live your life as a photographer differently? Mm-hmm. And wow, yeah. You know, and it's it's kind of like Put you know you thoughts. never you know, you never know. And you know, I actually do I, I tweeted that, and there's actually uh, a guy who tweeted me back. He has like some sort of neurodegenerative disease in his eye. So in the next few years, he's actually going to become blind. So wow. um, thinking about your own mortality, thinking about your own vision, and being grateful for that because you know, sure, you might not have the new you know, whatever camera, but as long as you have your eyesight, you're still blessed. Or even if you have your legs, you're blessed. Um, So just being grateful for what you have. For sure. Well, Eric, this has been so fun to to chat with you and and share. Uh, Thanks for sharing all those tips. And I I couldn't agree more with so many of them. Uh, I think we we all, we shoot very differently, but we have a a lot of the same philosophy on the the craft, that's for sure. Mm. Uh, It's just been fun. So where can people go to see uh, your blog, your workshops, everything you're doing? And I know you have tons of videos. Yeah, so the easiest way to fo- find me on the interwebs is just Google Eric Kim blog, E-R-I-C-K-M blog or Eric Kim you know, workshops, whatever. Um, if people really want to learn more about street photography, uh, I'd recommend just going to my blog and I, on the top menu, I have a start here section. And I've written um, you know, a few free ebooks on street photography. I have a, um, I'm starting to record a lot of uh, free video uh, street photography lectures. So lectures that I used to give in my workshop because I, I do... Uh, at the end of my uh, the day, my passion is to produce uh, open source knowledge and information, and I want to just share the love of street photography as much as I can. So there's there's tons of tons of free um, online resources on my blog, and um, yeah, and also yeah, go to my YouTube channel Eric Kim Photography on Instagram. I'm at Eric Kim Photo, and yeah, send me a message on Twitter. Same thing at Eric Kim Photo, and yeah, I think that's uh, that's probably the best way to to communicate. Awesome. And I will link all this on the show notes. Thanks again. I, uh, this was fun. And uh, I hope we, we get to meet someday at a, uh, at a big city near, uh, <laughs> nearby. Yeah. Well, merci beaucoup. You're in San Francisco, right? Um, in, uh, in Berkeley, which oh, is right next oh, to San Francisco. Near San Francisco. Well, for all, we'll probably end up meeting in Paris or London or somewhere <laughs> far yeah. away. So what, what we'll do is we'll, we'll both be you know, taking a street photo of each other at the same time. Yeah. Look through the viewfinder. It's like, oh, wait. Cinematically drop it. And like, <laughs> you know, it'll be, it'll be a great, it'll be a great moment. Yeah. I'm just like, I know this guy. <laughs> That's awesome. Thanks again, Eric. Thank you so much. And we are at the end of another episode of Street Focus. I hope you're enjoying this new street tip segment. Please share your thoughts in the comment section. And head over to thisweekinphoto.com slash street to subscribe to the show. And if you enjoy it, please share the love and don't forget to leave us a rating on iTunes. My name is Valérie Jardin and you've been listening to Street Focus. Now it's time to grab that camera and hit the streets.